conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. This week's Andy's Girls is brought to you by a very stylish Beverly Hills housewife. Here's a clue. Around here, there's more than just dresses in everyone's closet. That's right. I am recording Andy's Girls 157 wearing a brand new piece from the Kyle and Shahida collection, one that the OG of BH herself approved. To get a front row seat to this Amal's ensemble, check out my Instagram at Dame Galley. And to see more of the Kyle and Shahida collection, including all of the outfits showcased during the Beverly Hills season 10 premiere, check out kyle-shahida.com. Lucky for all of us, your budget can be much less than Dana Pam's 25000 and still shine bright like a diamond. Enjoy this week's Andy's Girls. Have you also lost your sense of smell? Because your taste is obviously gone. <laughs> I may not be an essential worker, but at least I'm a work in progress. Wait, that is the single best Corona-related and maybe also making it to the final tier (laughs) guest co-host tagline that I have ever heard. That was very, very good. And of course, you guys, of course it has to be from the one, the only Doris Kearns Goodwin, OG of all things Bravo. You guys, it's episode 157 of Andy's Girls. And I am so excited, so thrilled to be joined by none other than writer and host of the absolutely perfect podcast, Shut Up Evan, His Holiness, Evan Ross Katz. Thank you so much. What a lovely intro. (laughs) Can I say one thing about you real quick? Yeah. Do I look? I'm a skinny legend. Thank you You so much. You are a skinny legend. I was listening to last week's episode with Brian Moylan. And Mm -hmm. one thing that jumped out at me, you are just like such a terrific 
like conversationalist. <laughs> There's just like a balance that's not always achieved when you have random guests coming in and out and you just like navigate a guest so well and it really is a skill and I just I wanted to point that out up to you up top. Well, you guys, this was such a good episode. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't get any better than that. Thank you. And just because I must, and I appreciate that, and my um, therapist, and I'm taking in the compliment. I'm not doing like a bullshit passive aggressive thing because that's actually disrespectful to the person giving me the compliment. I am receiving it. Thank you. $80 copay will be 30 when I hit my deductible. I very, very much appreciate that, Evan Ross Katz. And that means so much coming from you. I mean, I have to tell you, I was just listening to, so I listened to your podcast, which is like the exact right salve that I need right now. Like I unfortunately have made the holiest of sacrifices of not listening to Bravo based pods because I don't want anything to influence, but I love your podcast because it is the perfect podcast to listen to and take in and not be triggered by, but also learn things through if that makes any sense like it is a great cleansing healing informational informative conversation and I was listening to your ep with detox this week um I'm not a drag race person I need to be I saw the which which episode uh what sorry which season of all stars did you guys reference with the um most famous song of all two too. So I've seen that and I've seen like a couple others, but it was so, I mean, like talk about talent when you're interviewing a guest who I may or may not have like a ton of background history about. And I am fascinated and understand the journey and understand the conversation. I listened to your ep with Rich yesterday. I started listening to Nikki Glaser. I mean, can you tell the listeners about Shut Up Evan? Because you're 12-ish episodes in, and it's really, really, I highly, highly recommend it to all the AGs. Um, you reference Housewives, you reference Bravo, but it's really about a bigger conversation. Can you tell the listeners uh, well, all about Shut Up, Evan, and why you should never shut up? Yeah, well, thank you. That's so nice of you. I mean, I think Well, you know, one, we're just wonderful. The one thing about it that I, I feel really proud of um, at the moment is just like, there. I do a lot of research before a guest comes on. So mm -hmm. when I finally get the guest, I really try and just soak up as much information, both like what's on the internet about them. And then I will talk to people that know them. I will talk mm -hmm. to longtime fans of theirs. So like mm -hmm. um, this Tuesday, I have Isaac Mizrahi on the show. <gasps> and I went and spoke to people. I, there's, I had Christopher John Rogers call in to ask him a question. I oh spoke to God. people that used to work for Isaac. I really, I spoke to his best friend. I really want to make sure that I'm asking questions that A, they've never been asked before, but B, can really be like springboards for larger conversations about culture. And so sometimes that's LGBTQ plus culture. With Isaac, we really get into Jewish culture because mm. him and I are both Jewish. Um but so I think like I really try and use that like Terry Gross approach. I remember she like once posted a picture of the book uh, that she had marked up of some guest that was coming on of all like the, mm. the dog tags in the book. Yeah. And I am not that meticulous. I aspire to be. But I really just I don't I like I love to kiki, but I really try and, and I love that format of podcast. But for, for what I wanted to do, I was like I wanted something that was really rich in research. 
Mm-hmm. And what are you, I mean, if you had to pick a poison, what mm-hmm. lens do you use to like look at the world? You've written a lot about culture, a lot about gay culture, LGBTQ issues. You've written a lot about fashion. I find like I'm endlessly intrigued by your posts on social you talk a lot about bravo is there one that if you wrote about it for the rest of your life you would be fully satiated or is it the fun combo of it all that like makes your life glitter definitely love the combo convo or combo i like not mm-hmm. you know being beholden to one topic and i really like to kind of gestate between but to answer your question if i had to choose the view period <gasps> really yeah I mean, I've been watching The View now for uh, uh, 17 years. I took one season off, the season that Jenny McCarthy was on, but I really have just been such a loyalist to The View. I've watched so many iterations of casts, and it's just a show that both what's happening on screen and the behind the scenes are so fascinating to me. And as I've worked my way into knowing several of like the players uh, Mm -hmm. more intimately and developed private relationships with them and sort of get, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say I get like tea, but I get like little, you know, things I, I I get a little, I'm able to corroborate information or whatnot. Um, That's very gratifying for me. Who do you think is the single best? Because I'm so intrigued by this because I just also finished the ladies who punch, which Uh was as, intoxicating as I thought it was going to be I loved it I have to tell you I like yeah, no, loved it. I, I like loved ate it, it with I a spoon who do you think is the single best panelist best at their job best whatever that has come that has been a part of the view so I think that has to be broken into two sections because it's like there's best co-host and best moderator because those are really different roles yes. to play on oh my the god show. I want to know both I want to know both the best co-host of all time is Joy Behar Anyone that tells you differently isn't a scholar of the show. It's just kind of that is the reality. Um, mm. I would love an argument for somebody else, but I would be I would get really defensive, but I'd be open to hearing it. And then moderator. Um, I have a soft spot for Meredith Vieira. I was going to say, how could it not be Meredith Vieira? Yeah. Is there really even a choice? Yeah, but but like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I, I that said, like, I really do love Whoopi's steady hand and I don't think the show would have lasted like one in that era before Whoopi came in I don't think the show would have lasted had Whoopi not come in I really see her as saving the show and yet she is so complicated in some of the shit she says where I'm like oh my god I disagree with you vehemently politically and I didn't expect that but I think your level of wealth sort of supersedes I don't know, empathy yeah. for something else. It's just so fascinating to me. It's like the lens in which she views the world. She's really fascinating. I guess I have so much respect for those women, um, not only just as like intelligent, smart professionals, but also I just think there's something really brave about going on television, live television every single morning, talking about topics that might be just breaking or still like... Um, still going through the site, the news cycle, you know, are within the news Mm -hmm. cycle and and updates Mm -hmm. are happening in real time. And, you know, whereas like I can go and research a guest, they don't always have that luxury, you know, given Mm -hmm. the velocity of the news cycle. And just Mm -hmm. to come on and express your opinion, to be thrown a topic and to say something and sound smart and not be able to be dragged by 
vultures who, let's be honest, when it comes to that show, are really wanting to find problem spots. Like, are not... Rabidly watching. Yeah. Yes. I just think that what they do is, like, so fucking amazing. And this new era in Zoom is proving to just... um, It still has the magic. You know what? There was a period of time in which I was watching it every day. And then I have to tell you, I was shattered by the Liz, um, Lizzie Hasselbeck, Rosie stuff. I thought it was just way too toxic and it was actually upsetting. Like, I cannot watch that again. It triggers me. Like, I get actual anxiety because it feels like two people are, like, crying at each other and neither of them can fully listen. And the more I hear about stuff that happened backstage, the more I'm like, ugh. But I really want to get back into it. I find myself watching a lot of clips when you post stuff. Um, and Pet Shop Boy, I think, posts a, a fair number of stuff, too. I, and I feel like maybe it's time. I don't know that I could do a full episode, but maybe I should give it a try. Yeah, so I would just say do the first half hour. Like, do the first yeah. half. Only do hot topics. Yeah, like, once Cuomo comes busting in with his um, daily briefing, I switch over to the second ABC, the local channel. I would say at that point, you drop out. Do you think that Bravo could ever do some sort of daily panel? There's this whole thing. Where I think that they're planning on doing some sort of panel show with Kate Chastain, but I think that was more about just, like, recapping Bravo shows. Do you think that that's a route? Ra- I mean, like, obviously certain Bravo celebrities have tried – daytime tv a la bethany crashing and burning but do you think that that is something that the network could do could produce no no (laughs) (laughs) just no just no no we don't think that that's possible you don't want nene leaks talking about afghanistan you don't want to see i don't need nene leaks talking about anything (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think Nini would agree with you. P.S. Shout out to Nini Leaks and Dorinda Medley who have taken this time of Corona to supply us content on YouTube in such interesting ways. Mm. For example, Candy Burris Tucker has done Speak On It or whatever it's called for seemingly centuries at this point or it feels like a long time where she does a recap of episodes after they air and she actually has something to say. And then Nini fairly recently was like, I'm going to start my own YouTube situation where I talk to you guys. And I got through five minutes of it. And the entire five minutes was her saying, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm not going to, it's not going to be super long, but it's maybe going to be long. And I'm talking to you. And this is what I'm saying. And I have something to say, and I'm going to say it. And it's going to maybe happen every other day, but I have something to be said and something, whatever. And then Dorinda has hopped on the YouTube recap train And looks like she's reading a script from Mm -hmm. her computer screen that was a flat out recap of the show, probably written by someone who, I don't know, wasn't a part of filming, but is watching these episodes when they get a trail, uh, a screener and pretends that what she's saying is funny because she like lightens her voice of and then Sonia gets her fashion show ready. And things happen. And that's it. There's nothing else. She looks so unhappy. She's just reading it. And that's all there is to it. It is the strangest experience. Have you been watching any of this? I've seen clips here and there. I guess it's just, I I think back upon like, when have I enjoyed like a Housewives self postmortem? You know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I think back about like Carol in the Aviva era going Mm. online and being like explain like pleading her case for like why she did write her book in that Mm -hmm. instance i'm kind of like gripped because i'm like oh here's this person that 
was edited in a certain way, not edited wrong, but just was edited in a certain way and wants to sort of retain some sense of their personal narrative and is, is shrewd about it. Mm-hmm. In the case of like Nini and Dorinda, it's like, I got what I needed on the show. And I miss, it makes me miss the Bravo blogs because at yeah. least then for better or worse, someone at bravotv.com would be editing it. Totally. So these women look better when they decide, when they think that we love them for their personalities alone, which PS I think is actually a very small group of these women. It doesn't necessarily translate into great content. And it also shows the importance and power of incredible editors and production companies. Yeah. Because when these women do it themselves, it's not necessarily the greatest work. It's no. traumatic. Yeah. Um, but the reason that I am the exact opposite of traumatized is because I wanted to have you on this week specifically because I feel like it's a little bit of a fashion episode. I myself am wearing a robe, dress, cool combo from Her Holiness Kyle by Shahida. I am so thrilled. I have been a Kyle stan. Stan? I've been a Kyle supporter and strong admirer of her life journey, German Shepherds and Backyard Pool for a while. And I watched with a lot of curiosity the premiere episode. You yourself made a cameo. (laughs) This week on New York, we had Sonia's fashion show. So I wanted to get your thoughts on both. First off, can you tell me a little bit about how you found yourself at the Kyle by Shahida um, New York Fashion Week runway extravaganza? Front row, by the way. Front fucking row. (laughs) So I had gotten an invite through the PR company for the show um, before knowing there was any housewives tie-in besides Kyle being attached to it. And so at that time, I turned it down only because I had a different... um, I I work in fashion, so I had a different runway show that I had to attend for work. Mm -hmm. And then Rinna reached out to me and was like, we're all walking, we're filming, I'd love you to come. And I had never met Rinna in person at that time. And so I sent my boyfriend to go see the runway show that I was supposed to go see. And I was like, beelined it over to, I think it's Pier 59, I want to say. Um, and I beelined it over there. And yeah, I, I went as a guest of Rinna's. So tell me a little bit about your friendship with Rinna. When did this happen? Have you seen her IRL since? I mean, obviously, that would be a little bit difficult right now <laughs> with all things Corona. Did you? Yeah. Just for shits and giggles or for no, another like, purpose? I'll tell you this. But so basically, we recorded. This is actually, if anyone will appreciate this, it's you. So she oh was God. supposed to be a guest on Shut Up Evan. And so... Which Her- would be, by the way, the best episode of all time. Like, apologies to Detox, but holy fucking shit. Oh, my God. It would have okay, been. Yeah, sorry. And uh, oh, no. so we... So I hop on the Zoom call and Harry Hamlin's face appears. <gasps> and Harry's like, hey, I'm going to... Uh, Lisa doesn't want to do anything with the technology, so I'm going to get us all set up. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, Lisa mm. did not record on her end. The audio <gasps> cut out after about three minutes. Oh, my God. Evan Ross Katz, I literally just got up from my bed and had to sit back down. Yeah, I have so, so been there. Yeah. So that's so anyway. So it ended up being we're going to do it again soon. But I don't want to like I think it. we both need a breath after 
wasting that not wasting but spending you know i just i felt really bad because i wasted her time but anyway so that was a nice little check-in um but yeah i mean we developed this friendship i i I don't know some how she found my instagram i'm so lucky for it and it just became a, a sort of uh we would regularly be commenting on each other's stories and whatnot and now I have her number and now <gasps> we're like, um, you know, I'll send her when I see funny things of her or, or, you know, I just, I'll send her things here and there, but she's, I mean, one among the many great things about her, she's incredibly, incredibly plugged in, um, mm-hmm. responds within a minute. And I don't say that because I think I'm special. I think that's just the kind of person she is with people in her life. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, I've been lucky enough on the periphery to infiltrate her life. And have you been, I mean, has this Rinna appreciation happened through Housewives? No. Did you have any kind of, it precedes? Oh, yeah. Tell me how, tell me that history. That just, is fascinating I, to me. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge Melrose Place fan. Oh, I got it, got it, got it. I love Melrose Place, but also just like as someone who grew up loving pop culture, Lisa Rinna has always sort of been this kooky kind of figure if she it's exactly the person she is on the show now but it was at a time when there wasn't so much of like a template for success for that kind of personality type um she just was like this straight shooter zany i loved her in interviews she was so Mm. joyous i mean she kind of was what kelly rippa is now on the daily Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's kind of what lisa rinna was Mm -hmm. at the time um yeah so i wouldn't say like i like followed her in the sense of like I knew every project that she was in but then like you know I remember her Baywatch episode because she was a guest star on like one of the early seasons of Baywatch I remember going oh back I didn't and, like, know that yeah I mean she has this like really prolific like legitimately prolific career um and so anyway Melrose Place is like my entry point but I was very familiar with her pre um Housewives and also pre Watch What Happens Live because I feel like a lot of people if they don't know her from Housewives, they kind of know her as, like, an early guest on Watch What Happens Live. Okay, got um, it. But, yeah, I, I just always, I've connected with her spirit. And so how do you navigate a little bit of a stand-um or, or admiration for her career? Now she's on Housewives, so it's, like, the best of both worlds because you're such an avid, so smart, intellectual Bravo-holic. How do you navigate the idea of Rinna with a personal friendship with a what the fuck were you doing on TV or what actually just happened? Yeah. Well, we talk about it. So like, for instance, before the first episode aired, this was like months ago, she had messaged me right after she filmed that segment with Sutton at Domenico Dolce's um, apartment or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, She had messaged me about it and warned me and she asked me to quote unquote go easy. And I was like, Rinna, I have like a policy. I'll never come for anyone that I like. I'll just be silent. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she's aware of the fact that I don't love Beverly Hills in terms of in my ranking of Housewives franchises. However, that's changing. Um, But she's aware. I mean, like she knows that I explained to her. It's like, I love you, but you're holding that series up, which thankfully no longer the case. Everyone seems to be putting in the work finally. But I kind of, I, the, the version of her that I like the most, though I love her on the show, I love like the Instagram, TikTok, mm-hmm. like that side of Rena. Her dancing, it's like. The daily dance. Yeah. And I feel like there was an interesting moment in this week's episode when they showed that giant pole in her backyard, 
where mm-hmm. it was kind of like, if you're a Rinna on Instagram person, that scene meant something very different because we'd watch that journey of like her dealing with that pole in her backyard. We'd watch that play out on Instagram. So I felt like that was like kind of like one of those Easter egg moments of like, if you know, you know. <laughs> and can you, speaking of if you know, you know, can you tell the listeners a little bit about this whole Dolce shenanigan, why she would say, you know, this wasn't my fault. I had to film there, but I don't necessarily die for them. Yeah, I mean, they're a complex, um, they're both complex figures within fashion because it's really easy to dismiss them entirely. But I think that's sort of like revisionist history because they do hold a place within this industry and they have always and still sometimes do make very beautiful clothes. So I just want to preface, I don't like judge someone for wearing Dolce & Gabbana unless it's like an A-list star on a red carpet who that's being styled at that point. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, the stylist should know better. But anyway, um, they have a long history. So there's two of them. They used to be a couple. They're no longer a couple. They're just business partners. They've had multiple incidents. I mean, whether it be, they released a line of shoes that they called slave sandals. That was like one of the first major incidents. They've openly been uh, very supportive of Melania Trump and came at Instagram commenters that were questioning their support of Melania calling Mm -hmm. them fat pigs. They've made remarks about Lady Gaga, about Miley Cyrus, about Selena Gomez, about the way, about their physical appearance. Um, And then most famously, what kind of got them quote unquote canceled, and I hate that term, but in 2017, 2017, 2018 maybe, there was to be a show in China that they were doing, and Mm -hmm. they released a series of ads leading up to the show that many people interpreted as racist, and Mm -hmm. everything sort of just kind of spiraled from there. Long-winded, but just to say they are just two people within fashion that exist under an old construct of fashion that sort of adheres to, like, for people that don't follow the industry, they're kind of more in the Miranda Priestly ilk of the industry that I think ah. is very um, Dying out. Passe. Yeah. And, I mean, they've said stuff about surrogacy that's yes. wild oh, and bananas. Yeah. It's, so, it's so funny. It's like the list is so long. It's like in my mind I mentally right. be like, hey, well, which one do I pick from? But, yeah, they're just – they're not good people. And I've written about them for years and years and years. And um, they kind of – they were kind of absent for all of 2019. And then they've begun to have a resurgence in 2020. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Sutton chose to shoot there. You don't think so? Because P.S., she at the dinner party, which we absolutely must do a deep dive into, Dolce, at the um, never so. before seen, vocally Dolce, apologetically Dolce, um, like off the rack and not couture. She wore, I think you would know this, could Dolce maybe couture or something when she was filming with Rinna three months prior. Yeah. And then obviously we saw the bajillions of dollars she spent on those hot pant short situations at his um atelier or whatever you want to call it i mean how does that what are your thoughts you think that she planned to do you think that she was trying to be political or make a oh, splash no, or something no, why not do you at think all, she not chose at it all. Oh, okay. no i doubt i actually would doubt and it's interesting so i'm actually pursuing an interview with sutton for paper Ugh, right I'm now hoping to get into this but mm-hmm. i i actually wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't even know any of the controversies right. surrounding them no i just think it was a concerted effort on domenico's part to be like you know beverly hills housewives is seen to many many people as like a pillar of like mm-hmm. fashion 
um, especially like fashion, where fashion meets pop culture. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of value in terms of the demographic of people that watch this show converting to people that would potentially buy Dolce & Gabbana ready-to-wear clothing. And I have to tell you, they may be garbage people in real life, but when Sutton walked into that dinner party, she honestly took my breath away. I thought she looked great. The top knot, phenomenal. The jewels, she walked in and I was immediately like, oh my God, Dolce. And then I felt guilt about it, but I was also like, no, she looks she looked amazing. Like, I would wear that dress. I would wear that whole entire outfit with different shoes because I did not like the situation on the bottom. But aside from that, I would wear that in a second. Yeah, I'm not going to pay for it, but I would borrow it. She definitely, uh, I don't want to say she, like, gets a pass for me, but, like, I think that there are true villains that exist on these shows, like villainous, awful human beings, like a Vicky, like a Kelly Dodd. I would say Sutton is someone who just lives in a bubble And though I don't, I'm not aligned with her sort of like the ways in which she, who she aligns herself with. And I'm sure I probably don't align with her political views. (laughs) I don't find her, her expression of her true self. I don't, it doesn't make me dislike her. It just makes me kind of say, okay, I know who you are. Um, Sidebar, she donated the um, federal max to Hillary Clinton, $2,700 or whatever in 2016. Okay. Hey, Sutton. And, you know, Sutton is a polarizing figure and has been so far. And I think since the start of this, since day one, I have been Team Sutton. And it's so interesting to me that so many of the people people who were saying last season is boring they're all getting along this is so stupid we need somebody else in the mix are now presented with someone who just even by the nature of their personality and communication skills as you said not a super villain or anything else but who is a different person these same viewers who were so critical of last season rightly so are now like wow I don't think she should get a diamond I don't think I like her when did that happen where we decided that it was a personality context and we only wanted in our hearts and minds miscongeniality across the board yeah that's a really good question I don't know the answer but I do think what's interesting is that she's coming in a little bit different than your typical villain in that she isn't it's like I know some people might read her as unlikable immediately but she's just as Erica kind of I think it was Erica or maybe Rina said in one of the confessionals it's like Uh, Erica, I think, said it. She was like, I've met women like Sutton, and to a woman Mm. like Sutton, something like name cards on the table is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And it's details like that that it's like, Sutton is more just kind of is being who she authentically is in a way, whereas Mm -hmm. when other villains kind of come in and oftentimes come in hot, they're kind of coming in with a, it's seemingly an express desire to stir shit up. Sutton's intention to me does not seem that of let's make good reality TV. Um, I could be fooled. We're only a few episodes in it and I don't know her that well enough to really have a clear indication. I really liked what Brian said about like waiting. I think he said five episodes on your last Yeah, episode. the Eileen Davidson Accord. Yeah. Yeah. But that said, it's like I think that there's something really fascinating about Sutton's immediate authenticity and like assurance of who she is that reminds me of Dorinda in terms of just like this is a Mm. woman coming into the show 
who knows everything about herself and isn't coming here with any sort of intention of having a journey in a way that I think a lot of other women, when they come on the show, they want the ride. Yeah, and I think as she has said so many times over, like, she's good. She's got the money. She thinks a job would be cute and fun as a hobby. Like, oh, maybe I could, like, make my own money. Like, that would be sweet. I think that would be, like, cute. That would be adorable. Like, some sort of Monopoly box full of whatever colored cash she'd prefer to put in her register at her multi-million dollar boutique situation Mm -hmm. where champagne flutes are $1,500 a piece and everything looks perfection, but no one can afford it. Um. I watch her and I think this is a woman who is very specific, who's probably surrounded by women who are very specific, who reminds me of Ramona in the sense that she has probably always existed like this and is maybe surrounded by women who are very, very similar to her, but to whom I've never had necessarily like access, if that makes any sense, aside from work that I've done, you know, like in my um, daytime world consulting Um, she is who she is and she also isn't actually apologetic about it. Like when she says at one point about, oh, Teddy, yada, 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 she's not necessarily apologizing for what she said to Teddy. She's more, oh, that sucks that like she ran off crying and she's hormonal or whatever else, but she's not apologizing or interested necessarily in growing in that way like she came in secure and that's the kind of person I think that she'll continue to be do you think that's accurate yeah no very accurate that said if we try and hold on to this plot with her and Teddy for too long that could go pantygate for me very quickly in terms of Mm -hmm. like there's not really a there there this was cute for an episode but like I just don't I don't really want to follow a Sutton versus Teddy plot point much further because it's a dead end road and whose side are you on Sutton v Teddy I just don't acknowledge Teddy as someone to (laughs) who I mean we're not it's not a fair fight Poor sweet Teddy is Not like... Not poor sweet Teddy, no. No, I know, I know. Get off the but, show. But poor sweet Teddy, I mean that in a way where it's like, I don't care enough about you to let... You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, oh, she's so stupid. Like, she really thinks being chill means saying, I'm so chill, I'm going to have zero manners as a host and just tell you that... Um, I don't care whether you come or not. Production is making me shoot here or is making me invite everyone. I don't want anyone to be there because now this business has become a success. And I don't want you to badmouth the event. So instead, I'm going to passive aggressively badmouth you in saying, if you don't want to come, I, I don't care so much that it won't affect me because I am so cool that I'm going to tell you how much I don't care about your opinion and support and presence at this thing I hold very near and dear to my heart as opposed to saying, hey, Evan, I would love to have you over at my weird text physical being therapeutic exercise point system all in. It's Sunday on Rodeo Drive at noon. Dinner's at five. If you'd like to come at noon or five o'clock, you're more than welcome. You might not be comfortable staying after dinner, and I appreciate your time. It would be great to see you. And not any other kind of caveat of if you don't come, I don't give a shit, because that to me is telling me that you already don't give a shit about me, so why should I care? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't give a shit about her 
whether or not she gave a shit about me. <laughs> See, you're not all in about Teddy's all in. No, <laughs> Teddy's so saying. wrong for the show and such a weird misstep for them to bring her back. But I feel like they really, Kyle needed a more direct ally and someone that could kind of be a B character for her scenes in ways that Rinna couldn't be because um, mm-hmm. Rinna has her own thing going. So I feel like they just, they wanted Kyle to have a lap girl. I was going to say lap say, dog, but I didn't want to call her a dog. But maybe calling her a girl fine. is condescending, too. A lap woman? I, a lap person. Lap, lap person. person. <laughs> lap woman. Like, <laughs> um, a lap. Just a lap. Um, it's strange to me to say this, and I kind of want to take it back while it comes out of my mouth. But if this is the kind of Teddy that we're going to see this season of someone, like, acting like a moron, I don't have an issue with it and I think it's because there's other stuff going on where it's like I'm seeing her she's overreaching she's doing stuff that I disagree with it's like dumb but I'm okay with it because I have Sutton's energy I'm watching them not understand each other not able to translate themselves to each other in like that person's language if that makes any sense I don't I don't hate it I don't know that that's a rousing review, especially on a season that so far seems to be like peak excellence in a way that Beverly Hills hasn't for a very long time. But I don't mind that kind of discombobulated JV energy. Huh. <laughs> I guess it's just hard for me to to reason how all we're talking about, like we've we've spent how long talking about this, and we've been talking about Sutton, who is a friend of, and we talked about Rinna, but like we've talked about no other cast member, and there's a reason for that, and it's like the impact that Sutton is making on this show, so quickly, it's just we haven't had that from a housewife, let alone a friend of, and also when you compare her to our New York friend of Elise, who's. <laughs> getting scrapped right and left it's just interesting (laughs) that like they're giving Sutton confessionals they're giving we're seeing her home we're seeing her man we're having her lead the drama for multiple scenes this episode it's like I, I just I've never seen them introduce someone with so much screen time and yet so clearly in a reduced role well, I think the only reason that she she was brought in to be full time, the only reason that she wasn't is because her ex-husband made them cut out all the shit with their kids. I don't know why that made production think that she couldn't still be full time without showing her kids. I think it's the same thing. She feels full time to me. So why they needed to demote her in that way makes no sense. But they are treating her full time. These women thought that she was full time this entire time that they were recording until this custody stuff or whatever else permissions came up. So I treat her as full time because that's the way the show is treating her. That's the way the editors have treated her, probably because this is the footage and coverage that they have of her. She is... She has gotten more screen time than Garcelle, but it's also because she is a very, very different energy and personality than Garcelle and is more is going to it's going to be easier for her to be in conflict yeah. versus Garcelle. Yeah. And, and I really enjoy the depiction of Sutton's kind of wealth, because I think there's just mm-hmm. a lot of gradient in terms of types of wealth. Right. And I feel mm-hmm. like we haven't seen this really since early seasons with Vanderpump. Um, Mm. In terms of having this just 
this taste for luxury. And I guess in Sutton sense, it's a little like basic in terms of like, she's very label driven, but just mm-hmm. even looking around at the design of that house, she is just clearly, oh, and also giving away $1,200, you know, clutches. Like, I think this is just a woman who loves excess in a way that it became a little gauche to like to flaunt excess in this way on the show over time. You know, it just became increasingly like, you know, I think about what's Luann's like early tagline. Like, oh no, someone's like, I like, I like. Vodka please. No, there's like, I think it's a Lou early one where she's like, I like living a luxurious life, um, a privileged life. And I don't like to say, apologize for it or something. But anyway, it's just like that aspect of the show really kind of went away because it just wasn't culturally aligned with where, where the culture was moving. And mm-hmm. I feel like Sutton kind of has a lot of that old school sort of like just that lifestyles of the rich and famous minus the famous. But I think that's a quality that the show benefits from. Speaking of that clutch, what the fuck was the deal with that clutch? Was that sponsored content? Because why would those two women wear the same clutch, talk about how much they love the clutch, dress their oh, entire outfit? Was it sponsored content from the show? Like, did that clutch designer pay money or give something to get included in Sutton's gift bag and then discussed repeatedly in the episode? So I I don't know Um, what I would guess just from past um, experiences with similar things. Not exactly, though. I would guess that the clutches were gifted from the brand to Sutton. Mm. Um with the express understanding that she would give them to the housewives, there wouldn't be any ROI. There wouldn't be any guarantee of mention on show. There wouldn't be any guarantee of post just because she can't, she doesn't know the final edit ultimately. So as much as she can say, I'm going to keep saying the brand or we're going to both wear it, like both wear them to the dinner. They don't know that that will actually go into the show. So I think it was just this brand saw it as a marketing opportunity to, because if you really think about it, it's a few thousand dollars in their bucket, but like chances are the women are going to show it off on their social just because it's very like, it's an aesthetically interesting clutch. Um, and to them, the ROI is like the possibility that Dorit will repost it or as it as was the case that it would show up in this episode. And then I feel like the brand would then after the fact, go to places like page six mm-hmm. and ID the brand and be able to run a story, which they did, which is like, uh, Sutton Strzok uh, gave these $1,200 parent uh, uh, clutches away at her party, blah, blah, blah. And so that to me was how I don't think it was done with the full understanding of how far it would go. I think they just got lucky. OK, that's really interesting to me because I thought it was less the Sutton involvement, though, of course, she would be involved at some point and more some sort of agreement. Maybe there was like synergy amongst companies with that. Yeah fashion house and bravo itself i mean we could watch the end credits but there would need to be disclosure in the episode oh yeah and so i feel like you can get you can circumvent exposure or disclosure through going through the sutton route whereas if you get bravo involved it becomes legal it's like suddenly there's like paperwork and did they they had to do a disclosure then when the new york housewives went to a movie what movie was that? Wasn't that an Anne Hathaway movie or something? It was the one with Anne Hathaway and What's-Her-Face. Rachel, What's-Her-Face? Not Dratch. Um, there was a movie <laughs> that they went to. Dratch. 
I mean, God bless. There was a movie that I think Dorinda went to and she was making it into, into some sort of comparison with like Sonia. And it was so obviously a plug for the movie. And the only difference was that these women usually do those like fake, cute, funny commercials when their new episodes air. And this was just like direct spawn con that they were spinning and pretending had something to do with like an actual conversation of the plot or right, something. But do you remember was- how that scene like felt different than the rest of the show? Yeah, it felt fake. It was the hustle. It was yeah, um, them going too... to a movie theater and watching the hustle. Yeah, this feels a little too integrated um, mm-hmm. to be so. It's just like I don't think that the show is as masterful in its um, sponsorship moments. Then, but I mean, but hey, if this was Bravo, 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 <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> and speaking of Bravo, Bravo, Bravo. So I typically watch episodes um, the the morning after they air, like the afternoon after they air. And I did the same with Beverly Hills this week, but I was flooded with messages as it was airing from people being like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, sending me Aaron stuff. And I was responding to DMs and being like, I haven't watched it yet, but that sounds amazing. And I love when people are letting me know what's happening during because I think that adds flavor to when I eventually watch. It was an episode that I am going to rewatch every other day for the rest of my life. Yeah. I felt like it was an episode of such excellence artistically, editorially, psychologically that I don't think I could ever even unpack what I saw. Aaron alone is a nine-hour discussion. I got in touch with Steve from Faces by Bravo, who, in addition to having his wonderful Instagram account, is also a registered nurse dealing with kids who have cancer in California and was like, can you break down for me what Aaron was saying? Because I don't get it. And I feel like there's something here to talk about. But I need it. He was like, tell it. He was giving me the medical background that I needed because I was like, tell me what cancer is. Like, I literally was Googling what is cancer and your immune system? Oh my God. How are they connected? And I was sending him screenshots and I was like, maybe he just put like these three words together. I was trying to devil's advocate for poor, sweet, dumb as fuck, possible Scientologist Aaron. And it was just everything. There were so many layers to it. I don't think I'll ever recover. I, I am in such a good mood, not only because I'm wearing Kyle by Shahida, but also because I'm feeling the energy and lift of this week's Beverly Hills and I never thought it would happen I didn't think it would happen this soon and I definitely didn't think it was going to happen this season and holy shit was I wrong holy shit was I wrong everything Evan Ross Katz everything yeah I mean what a what a scary sexy man um who was made a little less sexy by figuring out his level of depravity Depravity, depravity, whatever. Potato, potato. You're on the right track. Um, I, I, I don't Sarah know. Sarah. That was yeah. really interesting just because <laughs> it's like if this would have happened last season, it like it's like it's all timing, right? Like this wouldn't have mm-hmm. been able to happen last season because mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't have landed because part of why this scene worked was all the reaction shots. Of mm-hmm. Rinna, of Erica, of Garcelle, of Faye. Faye. Oh my yeah, God, Faye forever. So it's just one of those wonderful moments where it's like they both got a person being crazy 
and they got the funny reaction meme moment. So like the scene is doubly watchable because on the one hand, you're like, oh, cuckoo crazy. But you're also just like elated to see the women giving face, literally. And it was also a window into like Denise. Like now I get why she was married to Charlie. Yeah. Because she seems very interested in aligning herself with people who live in a space and state of paranoia. And she is more than happy to hop on board. And I don't mean to say, obviously, she wasn't a part of like the tiger blood or whatever the fuck it was era of Charlie Sheen. But I'm sure there was some thread there of him being crazy when they were together and at the beginning of their marriage. And she seems very happy to participate in this world in which they live where they can't talk about it because like the CIA is right behind them in a lift. Like what is there any possibility of truth to this? Like I do believe in alternative medicine. I do think that traditional medicine and alternative med or what we consider alternative medicine need to work together. My I'm I deal with a chronic illness, which is managed in overwhelming part due to being on an autoimmune diet. Like I food is important. I don't know what to say. It doesn't mean that cancer is the new Spider-Man, but I do think that there there are snippets there. I don't think it's a I, I appreciate Yolanda in a different way than I used to. I think that there there are some ideals of dealing with like holistic energy and treatment that are good. I just don't know about how the building of an atom bomb computes with like having strep throat. Yeah, I also think this is like a double whammy of not the time, not the place, because it's like one, not the time, not the place at this dinner party Two, not the time, not the place for this reality show. And so I just feel like there's like those two layers of like, whatever it is that you're doing and giving him the benefit of the doubt that there's some smidgen of rational thought pattern behavior, whatever, behind it all. It's just like, what was, okay, let me put it this way. What was the best end result of that scene for him? It's like he explained this and all the women were like, oh, yeah, like that he comes. He is the healer who's going to teach these women and people who already have great power and access about something that only he can provide, which is the ultimate truth. And Denise is thinking people are chasing us. I don't want the truth to be revealed because we could be in a lot of trouble now. Again, playing devil's advocate in this imaginary universe, I'm sure that there I don't I it's like it's so hard for me because I have to like then pretend that this is reality, but I'm sure that if someone is dealing with alternative therapy that's getting like good results that that wouldn't align with the mission of big pharma, but that is me taking out 99% of what he was saying and giving him the absolute total benefit of the doubt and in in a sense like directly contradicting him in order to try to understand him which is probably not a great position for someone that you're seeking medical treatment from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Like, I don't remember the Adam work in junior high or high school. I'm pretty sure I didn't do great on those tests. But I also know we're not necessarily going to be throwing a ticker tape parade for cancer anytime soon. And if cancer was acting as a Band-Aid for a super infection, wouldn't that show up on any tests? Or is like big cancer now a lobbyist? I don't know. It's an interesting spin. We need to get somebody's publicist involved in that. Like someone call, someone text Elizabeth Cancer and find out how she came to so much power and what we need to do to take her down. Like what? What's happening? I, but also I loved it. I mean, it was great TV. I don't think that that's what Kyle was expecting him to say. I don't think she was setting him up. The fact that he was also seemingly heavily intoxicated was another benefit to this Mm. magical cinematic experience. And then Mauricio, who's never been as high in his life as he was that night, staring at him with like his mouth open while eating Denise's leftover salmon and supporting our energy in the going like directly into Aaron's camp. Like, oh, yeah, lots of space when he's talking about the atom. He's like, yeah, 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 lots and sort of drooling. And just being wonderful. I mean, the concoction of all of it, it was like the zestiest stew I've ever seen presented at a Beverly Hills dinner party that wasn't of the extreme of the dinner party from hell. Yeah, there's a really good dinner party in, I think it's season four, um, with, um, it's with Camille and Yolanda. It's like a really, it's a, and there's a, there, uh, I'm blanking on on what exactly happens, but there's a second one that I always think of when I think of uh, another really good dinner party on Beverly Hills. There's a famous oh. quote from the one I'm thinking of too. I'll think of it later. Okay, you'll think of um, it. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, this was definitely high voltage, high impact, high impact. I wanted that soup cappuccino with the truffle foam. Everybody was the energy, all of the women, as you said, showing up with all of the glam and all of the world. I was so appreciative. I don't think Kyle has looked as good as she did that night to me in a very, very long time. Was obsessed with the makeup, was obsessed with the glam, was obsessed with the little diamond earring costume jewelry situation. Yeah. And it felt just exceptional. I was just so happy. It brought me so much joy. This week in in Housewives, I'm just so appreciative and and glad, honestly. I also just looked it up. It was season three, episode 12, and it has the, that's the point, Yolanda quote from Camille. You don't know that? Wait, that's the, no, wait, that's the point, Yolanda. Why am I thinking of Kim when you're saying that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking, I have Kim Richards um, voice in my head like that's the point Yolanda maybe I'm thinking about when she was talking about like the juicing or something on a reunion I don't know oh fascinating okay, that's I'll the give point that a little Yolanda re-watch. said in the same tone of voice of have another piece of bread so maybe that could entirely be what I'm thinking I don't actually know guys so many of you sent me satchels relating to Aaron that I need to read some of them I got a Aaron satchel from Dan in Brighton UK who says Aaron went from hottest house husband to the guy I'm getting away from as fast as possible. How is that possible? Would you have, I would still maybe have sex with Aaron. I just wouldn't do it in his doctor's office like Denise. I don't know. He doesn't need to talk. I don't know. He doesn't have a neck. It's also fascinating. I'm intrigued by him. Right? Okay. (laughs) Um, Another satchel from David in 
Oslo. Okay. Um, hey, Sarah, I wanted to send you a satchel about BH. We, as the viewers, now finally learn what I personally have always suspected. I never really could get into Aaron. Yeah, he's buff and apparently hung, but I've always gotten a major creep vibe from him since day one. In this episode, we learn more about his business, and it was jarring to watch. As someone who actually studied for their medical degree, I find these kinds of healers especially disturbing. Oh, apologies. David from Oslo for what I said like three minutes ago for 17 hours. It was probably one of the most uncomfortable scenes of Housewives I've watched. He gave off a full-on cult member vibe and what was even scarier to watch was Denise. Yeah, they were definitely operating at like OT3. Like there was, I got like big Scientology energy from them of like, we're going to tell you the truth. Like you don't need an antidepressant. All you need is soccer. Like there's, there's some stuff going on there that someone needs to unpack. Yeah somebody I don't know I guess I always kind of assumed that Denise was a little bit of an angel and I guess this really does reveal to us that there's more there to see yeah I think we might be getting like a reverse Camille in the sense of like I think she Mm. got a really good first season in terms of painting her in contrast to these women as being super like throw on a jeans and a tank top and like really low key. Like I think a lot of her attributes played really well given the other women and sort of their heightened sense of um, status and Denise who seemingly had the most status being like poo pooing status. But I think that now that we've had a season to get used to her settling in, we might realize that a lot of what we like loved about Denise is not without its own set of flaws. I have one more Aaron Satchel that I need to read because this is this Aaron stuff is just endlessly fascinating to me. A Satchel from Cali in Kansas City who says, who are these people and why are they following Aaron? And Denise is protected? I've watched enough Law and & Order and SVU to know that cult leaders thrive on quote-unquote educating others with their knowledge and why everything they were taught was a lie and how their way is the only way. And he's an attractive guy and has been married to former Hollywood starlets. So clearly he had a praying ground. If his Achilles tendon could grow back without surgery, why didn't he remove Denise's hernias without surgery? I don't like to yuck someone's yum, but he's probably a flat earther who doesn't believe in vaccines. True. And denies things like Sandy Hook. Hopefully untrue. Um, I believe it. Yeah, I... He really had me. He had me with a hot stepdad. He had me with a lack of neck. He had me with the overall lack of neck. He had me with like being friendly and quiet and kind. And now I guess I'm meeting him for the first time. And I am appreciative for the introduction because it was so entertaining. But I'm also like, oh, shit, this is who you've been all along. My bad. That's all there is really to say, right? Yeah. I mean, oy vey. Man, Denise is going to be having a little bit of a fight when the season really gets out of her hands. I wonder if she's following what people's reactions have been, or maybe they're just chalking it up to, like, we're just another couple cars chasing them up the street. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like... I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go for them. 
And judging by the fact that she continues to only wear that gold confessional dress makes me think that she's not going to have a lot of opportunity to like change her side of the story because maybe she only allowed herself literally one day in which to record these asides. Like that doesn't bode well for poor sweet Denise in redirecting some of this. That is accepting that this is all real. So what do you mean? I mean, I just think this, I think, I think, well, I think what happened on Wednesday was real, but I think what's coming down the pike with the Brandy stuff is all fake. So I think that, and I think her leaving is like, I think that's all concocted. So I'll be interested to sort of watch it all play out. Okay. Way to drop a truth bomb and then just pretend that like, that's no big deal. What are your thoughts on this? On what's happening with, I, I mean, I don't trust Brandy to save anyone's life. But what do you what do you think think is a storyline leaks in advance Mm. of the series? Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. reason for just questioning. And I think that Brandy, if anyone's willing to sort of like take to go low and or and not care about the truth behind it or how reprehensible they might seem, it's Brandy. And I just think the I don't know, the staging of all of it um, just feels yeah, and also, like, it's funny because, like, is Denise walking off this show, like, that we have seven other women, like, we're fine, like, but it's just the way that they're kind of hyping up the, because I think one thing that they were really in search of, because Beverly Hills hasn't had it for a long time, is a season-long arc, right? So, like, Roni got really lucky because of Tom, that we had this Tom stuff to sort of propel the narrative, especially in seasons nine and ten, Whereas, like, Beverly Hills had to do stuff like Pantygate because there wasn't sort of, like, fuel for the season. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like they view this uh, Brandy Denise thing as something to launch a season-long arc. And that just feels a little premeditated to me. I have no proof. I mean, it's just just a hunch. Do you think that that was something that Brandy herself strategized to do in order to gain entry back into the show? Or do you think it was production being like, hey, Brandy, fuck anybody lately? Oh, how interesting. Why don't you roll up into filming this thing with Kyle and maybe talk to her about that? Don't know. But curious to find out. Like, even if it's wow. scripted, I'm Talk about with, truthers. Oh, I'm my God. You're a. It play out, but. You're like a. I don't even know what BTS truth. Like this is like true behind the scenes. I mean, just look at the trailer for instance, where you had that iconic Kyle moment with like, we were so happy then and everything. And like all of that, like even her line delivery, it's like, that was a, that was a written line for her to say for that, for the end of the first episode. Like there's just moments that are happening and beats that are being hit that are, I love them. Don't get me wrong. Um, But are you know even the the bravo 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 thing it's like i don't believe that for one second don't you think just to push back gently ever so gently um don't you think that sure she might have been fed a way in which to narrate the season when they're filming confessionals about the season months after when they're deep in edit i mean they do that with a lot of women they ask you a question and you answer in the form of the question so it makes sense when you're going later on and maybe they'll push you to talk about it but then the question would be if you look at the end of the trailer with the denise coming back into the green screen and the smile and everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what was that then that was an authentic moment like what what was 
what was there was no directive there in terms of like we're trying to we want this button on our trailer because that just that the quality of production on that and the specificity of it was such that and I, yeah i don't know it just like i said oh even my if God. it's planned You're like I'm, I'm blowing happy. my mind right now well i mean hey what do i know like i, I could be completely incorrect and I'm also judging just based off of what I've seen, but just in looking this show very specifically more than any other franchise needs a good season. Like it's losing it's, it's most loyal viewers are not tuned in. Not, I don't, I mean, not even just literally, but also just in terms of like the lack of hype around the show and yeah, they weren't connected yes, when they weren't so they weren't connecting with us. If you're yeah. a producer and you're strategizing around the next season, you're going to want to plant seeds so that you have a garden that blooms when the season arrives. And I think you have to be really methodical in how you do that. And so I think this was their route. Have you talked about this at all with no. your dear friend, Lisa Renna? No, I like, I'm so, one thing I'm like deeply disinterested in when it comes to Lisa Renna is like talking about the show with her. Even on our podcast episode that was, <laughs> that is no more. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I, I like talking to her about like the culture or, like outside, like around the show. But in terms mm-hmm. of like things that happen on the show, she's not the person that I would like want that she has so much more to offer to me than like that that's just yeah I don't know like um someone that I'd want like be like I would want like Heather um New York Heather not to bro um like she's the kind of person I'd be like tell me about production on things like tell mm-hmm, me about this mm-hmm. vacation and the pirate mm-hmm. and whatnot um but with with someone like her with Rena I like would rather talk about other things besides living with you know living through this bizarre world but i mean it is interesting to i don't think i don't think she would say anything one way or the other speaking of production shifting gears what did you think of the music potentially lighting effect uh but spirited runway presentation that was sonia by sonia morgan sonia by sorgan sonia morgan presents yeah that happened <laughs> Um, I wasn't expecting the lack of music. I'll say that. I really wasn't expecting the lack of music. I don't know if that was purposeful or delayed. I think some music did get piped in. Yeah, I mean, it's always been a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy with Sonia when it comes to, like, Mm -hmm. her just, like, you know, if you don't prepare for something, then it's going to come out chaotic. So it's kind of like, you know, that's always sort of the case. It's, you know, and, like, I admire her... There's a je ne sais quoi about Sonia. I mean, it's undeniable, right? Like, that Mm -hmm. I admire her seeing this fashion brand through. And there is a world in which there are sales and there's a life to this brand that we just don't Mm -hmm. know about. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that New York Fashion Week, which, by the way, if we want to be, like, really... Sonia didn't show at New York Fashion Week. And neither did... she showed in a bar. No, but also, and neither did Kyle. Like... There's, there are shows that are on the official calendar of New York Fashion Week, and then there are shows that show during New York Fashion Week, and then put out that sort of air that they like. Um, Garo Sparrow, the one that, that show that Tinsley mm-hmm, walked in, mm-hmm. another instance of that wasn't Fashion Week. That was a show during Fashion Week, um, and so I just think and and Pamela Rowland, 
great example of a show during Fashion Week. Um, that wasn't at Fashion Week, Pamela Rollins? No. Oh, my God. See, that that I did not know. Yeah. Teaching me, Doris Kearns Goodwin of Fashion so and Bravo. So it's just interesting me. watching the show sort of want, like, they really want this proximity to New York Fashion Week, but they're not actually, they're very much on the periphery. Um so that's really interesting. But I mean, hey, look, I loved the end. I, when Sonia changed into the Tinsley outfit at the end there, um, I thought that oh, was Oh, Leah's like, outfit? Yeah, the sweatpants? Sorry, the, sorry. Juicy yeah. Couture? Juicy Couture. That plus moment 10 was years. like Sonia at her best. And also just, you know, Sonia do, using her Google, uh, talking into her phone during the Garo Sparrow show. Sonia with her glasses um, draped over, over her nose. Like, it just, even when Sonia's, even when Sonia's in turmoil, it's just, it's always, she's always firing on all cylinders. No, excuse me. She's always firing not on all cylinders, and that's the point. Which show do you instinctively look at? And I, apologies to Atlanta, you did Secrets Revealed. I saw Secrets, they were revealed. It turns out, spoiler alert, I didn't really care. Um, which show right now franchise, Beverly Hills or New York, did you watch or are you watching and feeling like, oh, my God, I'm home? Like, which one is making your heart go pitter patter? Beverly Hills. <laughs> right? I just. So, OK, I thought your conversation with Brian last week about New York, that episode was so interesting. And okay. I I learned a lot. And I actually really a lot of what Brian was saying sort of after really letting it marinate in my brain, I was like, you know, he, he makes a lot of really good points. And I just am not sure if like the, I, I love the cuckoo aspects. Mm-hmm. I like, like the yeah. Luann getting the massage from the dog mm-hmm. groomer that I love mm-hmm. Ramona working out in her apartment and them showing her moaning. I love like moments <laughs> like that. Yeah. But I am not, a, I'm not all aboard Leah in the way everyone else seems to be so quickly. Um, and I just, I'm, I feel Bethany's loss at every turn. Like, I just feel her absence, Mm. especially in terms of narrating. And I also just like, I'm missing a seventh woman. There's just something about New York right now that it, Leah's definitely breathing new life into the show, but Mm -hmm. it just needed, I'm reminded kind of of like the, you know how we always say like season five was like the reboot, but it's like Mm -hmm. season seven was also a reboot because not only was it Bethany, but it was also Dorinda. And it was also the first and only time that we had eight housewives. Mm -hmm. And I feel like New York really needed a lot of, it needed Leah plus one or plus two to sort Mm -hmm. of shake things up a bit more. So while Mm -hmm. I feel like they're delivering, I'm just not, it's fun. It's like a, it's like a, it's warm. It's comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, in the way that Beverly Hills is so refreshed and the editing is yeah. feeling so sharp, mm-hmm. I feel like New York could have just used a little bit more. Cause at the end of the day, like was the Tiki torch, uh, was all of that like antics, like wild. Yes. Was like the yelling in the kitchen. Like did, and, and like, yes, is it funny? Like socialist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's memeable. I'm not sure if it's, like, memorable in the way... I'm not sure I'll be thinking about that episode in years to come. 
So that's exactly hitting the nail on the head. It's memeable versus memorable. I think mm. Beverly, I think New York one, yeah. is memeable and Beverly Hills is memorable. I think Beverly Hills is giving us a genuine narrative with these crazy moments that aren't kooky crazy, but that are fascinating, sometimes dark humor crazy and interesting. Yeah and memorable and New York is like these women are going crazy and they're and they're drinking and they're talking and Luann is um is thinking about drinking and she's talking about it or whatever else and Sonia's going crazy and Ramona's a dick to anybody that's ever worked in the service industry because she's a monster of a person and and these are all these moments that are good they're, they're yeah. really good in the moment I'm enjoying New York but it's um it is a candy apple right now yeah. it is just all sweet with all of the nutritional value no longer available we're also sort of missing an outlier character so it's like kind of what alex mccord was in her early seasons Mm -hmm. and what heather was later on which Mm -hmm. is like thinking about when they go to heather's house and ramona's like is this your house and the whole air conditioning thing and all of that stuff so like Mm -hmm. there's no one on the show right now that would allow that dynamic to play out there's no one that's sort of like a uh, that's smart in a different sort of way than these women. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit more tough in a way that like Heather was such a, I, I mean, I, I mean, I could talk about Heather all day. I love Heather so much, but I just feel like there's a character missing right now that could add a little bit more. Oomph. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm even find myself missing early season Carol right now, just because it's this kind of it's antics after antics after antics. And while Lou's antics feel refreshing because Lou's there's just a lightness about Lou that feels like mm-hmm. we haven't seen since like this is like very like season six Lou which is mm-hmm. like Lou at her best lately because mm-hmm. the ego is kind of removed um right over and then like oh so it's like we're hearing Tinsley's gone and it's like okay so then we already were down a number and then we're gonna be down even more and I'm just yeah I, one quick note though I will just say uh credit to Tinsley for the pre-show moment with Dale and the crying and everything, that oh. moment felt authentic. Like that didn't yes. feel performative and yet it's the best performance ever. I appreciate Tinsley's like, there are moments like that where it's like Tinsley rises to the occasion of lack of self-awareness that I aspire to watch. Not be. <laughs> um, completely agree. And I also have to say that there, there were some moments of depth that, I am hopeful that on whatever Zoom reunion uh, happens that Andy will unpack specifically Leah not understanding why having a single drink is not the path to destruction that everyone around her recognizes it can be. And I think she is thinking that she can control it because nine years have gone by and everyone around her is like, that is not the way to handle addiction. If you're an addict, you do not open the door because once you've opened the door, it turns out it's Pandora's box. Like it's just, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. It is a bad idea to have a drink. Then the edit goes back to her, like running around naked, which probably isn't super helpful, but everyone in her circle who knows her is saying you're putting yourself at risk and her response is to be upset and saying like, why would you think I would ever ruin my life again if I've done that like one time around? Not understanding the reality of the fact that by simply taking a single sip, you're going down that path. Yeah. And it's also like 
think about what this show is. Like, watch mm-hmm. a few episodes. It's like, it's mm-hmm. just sort of, yes, is it entertaining to watch a woman who's been sober for nine years have drinks and go wild and throw tiki torches around? Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's also kind of like a bit, like sad to think that someone would sign up for this with her history knowing what the container of the show is and then on top of that that she would choose to present herself as a sober woman and then an episode later be like oh well fuck it because it's like there's a world in which leah just never brought up her not drinking Mm -hmm. and then we Mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to sort of have conversations about accountability um hey teddy um but it's just like (laughs) a strange thing because it's like you brought yourself into the show and announced yourself as one thing and then pivoted so soon after announcing that whereas at least in the case of luann we got a i think at least a whole season and we've gotten multiple episodes of her we've gotten the sober journey with her like she i'm not saying i mean i can't speak to her beginning drinking that's her personal decision Mm -hmm. but like we Mm -hmm. saw a sober lou for a long time Yeah, and I also think I'm super confused about the timeline of it all because Leah said on camera at one point that she had started drinking in the couple months prior. So why would her mom be so upset about her having a drink while she was in the Hamptons unless she hadn't told her mom or she told her mom that she'd gone crazy or whatever else? Like, if you're withholding, if it was factually correct that you had started pre-Hamptons, and you wanted to tell your mom when you did start drinking, why didn't that happen then? I also have questions about mom because by not speaking to your daughter, I'm yeah. imagining that's going to cut off communication to your granddaughter as well. Because Leah's probably the, I would imagine, the gatekeeper of who her daughter talks to. And so I'm just thinking from grandma's perspective, why would you cease communication just because you didn't like some behavior versus actually talking it out and expressing how you feel it just feels like the i just sense a lot of chaos but like uninteresting Mm -hmm. chaos chaos i'm not interested in oh see i'm i'm interested in it but i just don't think that leah's gonna get to the point that i'd like her to see like this moment of self-reflection that we demanded of luann i think the same kind of rules have to apply here even to a newbie i'm i'm glad to see that she's gelling like when when dorinda was on watch what happens live last night she was saying how like close she and leah have become and I think one good thing about Leah for certain is that she really has found her way into the group in a way that feels mm-hmm. organic in a way that like someone like, like Heather got lucky because of she found Carol, but someone mm-hmm. like a Heather, someone like a Kristen weren't able to sort of get into the group and Barbara being a great example, weren't able to mm-hmm. get into the groove of the group. I feel like there's an immediate um, Leah fits in with the group. Well, tattoo all that on my ass yeah, because, right. my God, I think that works out well. Um, oh, my God. Evan Ross Katz, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Amen. Can you tell the listeners how to follow you online and, of course, listen to Shut Up, Evan? Well, you can follow me on Evan Ross Katz on all platforms. And, yeah, Shut Up, Evan's available in anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. Um, and can you tell um, Lisa and I need a duster? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I sure. would appreciate it. Inside Skinny Legend, a.k.a. Medium. Um, guys, 
first off, thank you to Kyle Richards and Shahida. I almost said Kyle Richards, Shahida. Kyle Richards and Shahida and team for this gorgeous robe. I'm going to post a photo of it on Insta. So at Dame Galley for all that and more. And listen, Patreon, my God, love of my life. You get bonus episodes throughout the week. Evan Ross Katz was just talking about some technical hiccups that you recently experienced with uh, Lisa Rinna. Brian Moylan and I had the pleasure of recording twice when we recorded Andy Scrolls 156 because we had some technical issues the first time we posted the second episode. Turns out we may in fact be able to salvage the first. So I am posting that entire episode once avail on Patreon. So guys, not only do you get tons of bonus content, but holy fucking shit, you're going to get an entire episode. And let me just tell you, we went in very, very hard on Vanderpump Rules and his book and much, much more. So if you're not uh, subscribing to Patreon, which costs as little as $2 a month and keeps a roof over my head and also this bed, um, do so now. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. And I will, I do promise you, we'll be doing that Andy's Girls happy turtle time, happy hour, um, Corona, Rona love, uh, Kiki situation shenanigans satchels of gold um, this month in May. So if you're not at the OG of the AG level, sign up for that ASAP because you will get first access. I'm going to be announcing the date hopefully next week um, and you'll get first access to sign up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Evan Ross Katz, this was like so great. I love you to bits. I love you. I um, can you on your couch. Right? It was so cute and comfortable and cost $140 from Jennifer Convertibles. Amazing. Much like whatever else is appointed in Dorit's new house. I mean, only the best. And paid for the same way with credit I don't have. God bless America. <laughs> um, Evan, die for you. Guys, I love you to bits. Thank you to all of you who have sent in five-star iTunes reviews. The only reviews I acknowledge um, in life. And some people slid into my Venmos this, Venmo this week because a computer that um, my computer that broke during my recording with Ryan recently is like completely dead. And people were sending me money to get a new one, which I will eventually need. So sweet. I love all of you. I hope this gave you guys a little bit of life. Um, during these very hectic times and by hectic I'm only speaking of that dinner party with Aaron and I can't wait to kiki with you guys again soon Evan Ross Katz, die for you and die for all of you as well uh, bye bye uh,